the applicatory service this evening, let us turn in God's word to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. But he that is dead is free from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, For ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity, unto iniquity. Even so, now, yield your members, servants, to righteousness, unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin, become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God 
is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May God bless the reading of his word unto our hearts. The text that we consider for the sermon this evening is the fourth verse of Romans chapter 6. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the question that this text gives for you to consider in this evening is this. Were you dead? And were you buried with Jesus Christ? This is not a morbid question to consider whether one was dead or one was buried with Christ. But this is the question that the text gives unto us to consider. Not only must we consider whether we were dead and we were buried with Jesus Christ, but then the follow-up question, do you know that you were dead and that you were buried with Christ? Verse 3, know ye not? That so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Did you know that, children? When you were baptized into Jesus Christ, you were baptized into his Not a morbid question, but a necessary question for you to consider. Whether or not I have been buried with Jesus Christ, baptized with Jesus Christ unto his death and unto his burial is determinative for whether or not I have comfort. For if I have not been baptized with Jesus Christ unto his death, I have no comfort as I go through this earth. But if indeed I can answer the question positively, yes, I have been baptized with Jesus Christ unto his death and unto his burial, then I have comfort and I have hope. Hope. That just as Christ was raised up from the dead, so I and you and all of God's people will be likewise raised up from the dead. Let's consider this text this evening under the theme, Like as Christ was raised. First, buried with Christ. Consider what that means that we are baptized unto death. Buried with him by baptism unto death. And then second point, raised 
with Christ. They're looking at the middle of the verse. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. And then the third point, walking with Christ. And they're looking at the conclusion of the verse. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. The text declares that we who are the children of God are buried with him, with Christ, by baptism into death. For us to be able to understand this this phrase, we must know something of death. What happens at the moment of death? Death marks the end. Marks the end of one's existence upon this earth. At the moment of death, one's heart stops beating, the lungs stop pumping oxygen. At the moment of death, the body begins the process of decomposition, returning unto the dust from whence it was created. At the time of death, the place that the individual had previously occupied upon this earth comes to an end. It doesn't matter how important, how powerful that individual was upon this earth when he lived and walked upon this earth. At the moment of death, all of that power, all of that influence, whatever importance that that individual had upon this earth, all of that comes to an end. The text teaches us that Jesus Christ was dead and buried. We are buried with Him, with Christ. And so this means then that Jesus Christ experienced everything that it means to be dead and buried. At the moment of the death of Jesus Christ, His heart stopped beating, his lungs stopped pumping oxygen, his body began the process of decomposition. At the time of death as well, for Jesus Christ, the position that he had occupied upon this earth came to an end. He had been a very important person upon this earth. He was Christ. The word Christ means anointed one. He was anointed by God into the threefold office of prophet, priest, and king. And so as prophet, while Jesus Christ lived upon this earth, he taught the people of God. He made known unto them the reality of the kingdom of heaven. As king, Jesus Christ exercised power, not just over the people, on this earth, but also he exercised power over creation, so that even the wind and the sea obeyed him. As priest, Jesus Christ made the sacrifice, the one sacrifice for the sins of all of God's people. But at the moment of death, all of that work. What Jesus Christ had done came to an abrupt halt. 
After death, there is a flurry of activity by the ones who grieve, passing of the deceased. They make plans for the funeral, for the graveside service. There's held then the memorial service. They have the burial. They take the body and put that body down into the ground. Drop the dirt on top of the casket. And it's done. Jesus Christ was dead and buried. But what now does the Apostle Paul mean? He says that we are buried with him by baptism into death. Literally, that phrase that's translated in the King James as into death would be translated as unto death. We are buried with Christ by baptism unto death. This is an unexpected phrase. It's not normally what we think of when the idea of baptism comes to mind. When we think of baptism, we think of life. Who's the recipient of baptism? It's the baby that is living. Mother and father present that young living infant to be sprinkled with water. When we think of the significance of baptism as well, we still think of life. or We think we're baptized unto life because baptism pictures the cleansing away of our sins in Jesus Christ and the quickening spirit of Christ who makes life to abound. And so we could more readily understand this phrase if the inspired writer had said that we are baptized with Jesus Christ unto life. That would make sense to us. But he doesn't. He says we're baptized into or unto death. You know what that means? that baptism kills. Baptism ushers us unto death and unto the grave. For us to be able to make sense of this, we must understand that when the writer speaks here of baptism, he is speaking of the reality of baptism. You can distinguish in baptism the sign, the outward visible sign of baptism on the one hand, and on the other hand, the reality, the spiritual invisible reality of baptism. The outward sign of baptism is that which our earthly senses can perceive. As the child is presented for baptism, we can see the water as the water comes off of the hands of the minister and sprinkles over the head of the child. But when the Apostle Paul speaks here of being baptized unto death, he is not speaking of that outward sign, the physical sprinkling of water upon the head of the child. But instead, he's speaking here of the reality of baptism. The spiritual reality of baptism is the cleansing away of our sins, 
with the blood of Jesus Christ. So when we understand here that that's the sense in which the Apostle speaks of baptism, that helps us understand and what he means when he says that we are buried with Jesus Christ by baptism unto death. There's a sense in which baptism, the spiritual reality of baptism, kills. What is it then that baptism kills? What does baptism put to death? That's the old man of sin. That's what baptism kills and puts to death. The Apostle Paul lays that out for us. Verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man, the old man of sin, is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not, serve sin. And again, he repeats that thought a little later in the 11th verse. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That, beloved, is the sense in which we answer positively to the question, were you dead? And were you buried with Christ? Yes. Because my old man, united with Jesus Christ by baptism, was buried with Him. So strong is that bond that the believer has with Jesus Christ. So unbreakable is that union between Jesus Christ who is the head and we who are the members of the body that as Jesus Christ was dead and put down into the tomb, so we, through our old man of sin, were buried with Jesus Christ unto death. This means then that we, as the people of God, must reckon ourselves to be dead unto sin. It does not always feel this way, does it? That we're dead unto sin. At times it seems as if sin. And that old man of sin within us. Is very alive and very powerful. And very active within us. At times there are temptations. Which are set before us. And our heart by nature yearns for those temptations. And it seems as if we do not have the ability to resist. The temptations of the devil. And yet the child of God must insist that yes, I have been buried with Jesus Christ by baptism unto death. I believe it. By faith I believe that the old man of sin has been put to death. By coming unto the Lord's table this morning and partaking of that heavenly meat and drink, I gave confession of the fact that I am united unto Jesus Christ. I'm a partaker of the blessings of Jesus Christ. And thus, I am buried with Jesus Christ unto death. Oh, to be sure it is but in principle, in beginning, that this is the case. We still must fight for as long as God is pleased to have us remain upon this earth. We still must fight. 
against that old man of sin. But in principle, the victory is ours. Believe this truth. I'm dead unto sin. Memorize that truth. When confronted with the temptations of the devil, repeat that truth, even out loud, if necessary. I have been buried with Jesus Christ unto death. Therefore, I reckon myself to be dead unto sin. And the apostle brings us from death unto resurrection. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Like as Christ was raised. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was a true historical event. It happened on the third day. He was crucified on Friday. Friday afternoon they hastily took his body down from the cross, buried him. The Old Testament Sabbath, Saturday, was approaching. So they gave him a quick burial on Friday afternoon. But then Sunday morning, as the sun rose up, there were the four women who came searching for the body of Jesus Christ. As the women walked unto the tomb, they discussed the difficulty that was before them. The difficulty was the stone, the large, great stone that had been rolled in front of the opening of the tomb. How would they move that large stone out of the way? But as the women came closer unto the tomb where Jesus had been buried, they saw that the stone already had been rolled away. And there sitting upon that stone was an angel arrayed in white, brilliant white. And he said unto the women, He is not here, for he is risen. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. So then they were able to look into the tomb, and there with their eyes see and behold that Jesus Christ was not there, for God had raised him to life. When God raised Jesus Christ unto life, we must understand as well that God did not simply restore Jesus Christ unto the same life that he had before his death and his resurrection. But rather, when Jesus Christ was raised up by God from the dead, he was brought to a higher life. He was brought unto resurrection life. Before Jesus Christ was dead and buried, he had a body that was susceptible to injury, to disease. It was possible for Jesus Christ in his body to be put to death. But after Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, as he was raised by God unto resurrection life, he was given a body that was not capable of dying again. Apostle Paul declares this in the ninth verse. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death 
hath no more dominion over him. That's the wonder of the resurrection. That he was given life that would continue everlastingly in heaven. But what's noteworthy about this verse about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is how Jesus was raised. Did you catch that in the verse, how Jesus Christ was raised? Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. That's not what we would immediately think of when we contemplate the reality of the resurrection of the dead. When we think of how somebody would be raised from death unto newness of life, perhaps what would come to mind would be the omnipotence of God. God, by His almighty power, reached down with His strong arm and raised up Jesus Christ from the dead. Or perhaps what we would think of when we think of how Jesus Christ was raised from the dead is justice. The justice of God required that Jesus be raised up from the dead on the third day. Because Jesus Christ had been obedient perfectly unto His Father, the justice of God required that His Son be raised up from the dead. But the text does not tell us that Christ was raised by the omnipotence of God, though that's true. Nor does it tell us that He was raised by the justice of God. Glory. He was raised by the glory of the Father. Glory. Beauty. That's what glory is. Beauty. The revelation of the infinite perfections of God. The way the glory of God is His holiness. That's what makes God the exceptional, the one unlike anyone else. He's the holy, holy, holy God. The glory of God then is the revelation or the making known of His beauty. We worship God in the beauty of holiness. It's the will of God. It always has been the will of God that His glory be made known unto His people. That His people know Him, observe Him, worship Him as the thrice holy God. But consider what happened when Jesus Christ, who was the Son of God, came down into this world. When Jesus Christ was born of the woman, the glory of God was hid from view. Philippians 2 tells us about that. That He made Himself of no reputation being made in the likeness of men. And that phrase in Philippians 2, it tells us that He made Himself of no reputation means literally that He emptied Himself. 
Jesus, as he was born of a woman there in that lowly manger, emptied himself of the glory that he had had when he was with God in heaven. All throughout the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, that glory of God was, for the most part, hid from view. It was not immediately evident that this was Jesus, God of God and Lord of lords. But Jesus Christ hid that glory from view. Oh, there were exceptions. There were times where the glory of God shone through Jesus Christ as He performed miracles, as He taught the people with authority. On the Mount of Transfiguration, there His glory was beheld by the disciples. But for the most part, the glory of God through Jesus Christ was hid from view throughout His earthly ministry. For recall, it's the will of God that His glory be made known and that His glory be evidenced unto His people. And so thus the text tells us that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God. The glory of God would not permit that His only begotten Son remain any longer in that grave. But the glory of God demanded that Jesus Christ be raised up from the dead so that the whole world could behold the omnipotence, the love, the grace of our Father in heaven. And so on that third day, God, by His mighty arm, raised Jesus Christ up from the dead by His glory so that it would be known unto all of the nations of the earth that God is God. And that Jesus Christ had accomplished the work that God, His Father in heaven, had given Him to do. Raised by the glory of His Father. That's our comfort. And that's our hope. That like as Christ was raised, so we too will be raised. And that final day, when Jesus Christ returns on the clouds of glory, He comes in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and the trumpet shall sound, then the dead shall be raised unto life everlasting. And just as Christ was not raised unto the same life that He had prior to His death, He was raised to a higher life, a life that was not capable of dying anymore. So when the graves of all of God's people are opened up, we will be raised unto a higher life. Resurrection life. Perfectly suited for life with God in heaven. This is our comfort. Even as we place loved ones in the grave. We know that Jesus Christ has already conquered death and the grave. We exclaim in triumph with the Apostle Paul, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord.
It's not just in the future in which we can expect our bodily resurrection. We can also say in the present tense, we are raised with Christ. Right now, we're raised with Him. We're raised because of the union that we have with Christ. He is our head. And we are the members of His body. So if it is the case that our head is in heaven, then that means there's a part of us that's already in heaven. Galatians 2 verse 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Being raised with Christ, we walk. Even so, Paul concludes this fourth verse, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. This progression throughout this verse, he starts with death, and he progresses unto walking in newness of life. This progression that the Apostle Paul follows is a natural progression. The farmer understands this progression. The farmer in the springtime takes that seed, which seed is dormant of itself, and places that dormant seed down in the soil. He places it in the soil Expecting, trusting that with the proper moisture levels given unto that seed, with the right nutrients given unto it, that that dormant, lifeless seed will germinate, will sprout and spring forth in life. We go from death to life. So we then who are raised with Jesus Christ walk in newness of life. Walking in newness of life is giving oneself in humble obedience unto the Lord. It's a life of service, a life of gratitude and thanksgiving unto God. It is saying yes unto the things that God calls us to do, and it is a life of saying no unto the temptations that the devil sets before us. It is reckoning ourselves to be dead unto sin. This activity of walking in newness of life before the Lord is a willful activity on behalf of the Christian. The inspired writer does not say here, that even so we should be carried in newness of life. But the inspired writer says, even so we should walk in newness of life. There is a willful and consistent determination of the Christian as he rises up from his bed each and every day to walk in newness of life. It's a life of seeking Jehovah God. Repeatedly throughout the context, the Apostle has spoken of 
living unto God. Verse 10, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. In verse 11, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God. And the idea here of walking or living unto God is of fixing one's face upon Jehovah God and never taking one's eyes off of the Lord and walking in as straight of a line as possible unto God. The idea here is of a person who is on a long, long sojourn. This traveler knows where he is going. He understands the final destination. He knows that the final destination has a home for him to live in. He knows that at that final destination, there will be fruit for him to enjoy food in great abundance. There will be peace and not enmity. But as this sojourner looks at that final destination, he sees that between him and that final resting place is a long, difficult is the desert hot, dry sandy desert there are hills mountains cliffs places where he could stumble and fall so what does this sojourner do he walks He faithfully, daily, sets his face toward that final destination, and he walks. It's not always glamorous. It's not always exciting. It's not something that receives the praise of the world. But he walks. Every day. He seeks to be faithful unto God who gave unto him a union with Jesus Christ. He reckons himself to be dead unto sin and he walks until at last God takes him off of this earth and brings him into his home in heaven. Ephesians 2 verse 10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. May God strengthen us that all the days of our lives we might walk in newness of life, Expressing unto him our gratitude for what he has done for us through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, how unspeakable are thy riches. Thy ways are beyond our ways and thy judgments are a mighty deep. We thank thee for thy word which teaches us how we are to express our gratitude unto thee for that work which thou hast performed 
for us and in us. Wilt thou bless thy word unto our hearts? Wilt thou give unto us patient endurance that we might walk all the days of our lives until at last Jesus Christ draws us from off of this earth, takes us into the promised rest of heaven. Thou bless and keep us, for Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.